0: This is Richard Gollins with commentary from the Gay Community Services Center. The Gay Liberation Movement, like the Women's Movement and the Black Movement, works on two levels. The political, concerns such as jobs, equal protection under the law, housing, bread and butter issues, and the personal.
1: Now with the International LGBTQ Radio magazine, I'm Greg Gordon. Thailand's prospective PM brings a marriage equality vow to pride, Texas and Missouri join the band the Trans bandwagon and rediscovering gay broadcasts buried for 50 years. All that and more this week now that you've chosen this way out.
2: I'm Melanie Keller
1: and I'm Alan Dehamo
2: with News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending June 10th, 2023. Thailand may become the second in Asia to open civil marriage to gay and lesbian couples. Thailand's Move Forward Party won a majority of seats in May's parliamentary elections and its leader, Pita Lim Jaroenrat, is expected to be named prime minister in July. Lim Jaroenrat participated in the Bangkok Pride Parade on June 4th, just the second celebration since 2006. Bangkok Governor Chad Chart Sidipunt told Reuters that more than 50,000 people joined this year's parade, more than double the attendance of last year's event. Lim Jaroenrat vowed on Facebook to usher in marriage equality within the first 100 days in office. He wrote, Diversity is not a weakness, but a strength of this country. Love is love, and love must win. It's about telling the world about the values we share. We all have equal human dignity and must have equality before the law and receive public services from the state fairly and equally, and not be discriminated against. He has the backing of all eight parties in his governing coalition. He'll succeed former Army Chief Paiute Chanucha, who has ruled the country since leading a military coup in 2014. Taiwan became the first Asian nation to enact marriage equality in 2019.
3: The Fukioka District Court ruled on the constitutionality of Japan's ban on civil marriage equality, the fifth such court to do so. Two have decided that the ban is unconstitutional, and one ruled that it is not. Fukioka joined Tokyo's court on June 8 in upholding the ban while well, it decided that the denial of some form of legal protections for same-gender couples violates their human rights. More than a dozen queer couples filed suit on Valentine's Day in 2019 in district courts across the country to challenge the ban. The most recent public opinion polls show up to 70% support in Japan for marriage equality. Hundreds of local municipalities have created mostly symbolic registries for lesbian and gay couples. Despite mounting pressure, the conservative government of Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has been intransigent. It has fought against equality in both the courts and the legislature. Their weak promise to pass a law to promote understanding of LGBTQ people ahead of hosting the G7 Economic Nations Summit in Hiroshima in May fell flat. Japan remains the only member of that exclusive club without marriage equality.
2: With his signature on June 2nd, Texas Governor Greg Abbott stopped gender-affirming health care for transgender young people under the age of 18. Texas joins more than a dozen other Republican-controlled US states where the medically-approved care is prevented, including reversible puberty blockers and hormone therapy. There are a few exceptions but critics say that it's not entirely clear what they are. Violators could lose their medical licenses, so doctors are likely to err on the side of caution when it comes to young transgender patients. It's just as likely that legal challenges will be filed in court well before the new law takes effect on September 1st.
3: Missouri's Republican Governor Mike Parson doubled down on the oppression on June 7th. He signed bans on gender-affirming health care for transgender minors and trans students competing in school sports under their gender identity. The transgender sports ban covers all grades in both public and private schools, as well as colleges and universities. It requires student-athletes to compete under the gender listed on their birth certificate. Schools that violate the law would lose state funding and could face civil lawsuits. Missouri allows trans patients already receiving hormones or puberty blockers to stay on them. The ban takes effect on August 28. The Movement Advancement Project says Missouri is the 22nd state to ban trans participation in school sports. The Show Me state also becomes the 21st to ban most gender-affirming health care for trans patients under the age of 18. There are court challenges to virtually every ban on trans health care and sports that have been enacted in almost two dozen Republican-controlled U.S. states.
2: In one of those cases, Judge Robert Hinkle of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida derided the Sunshine State's trans youth health care ban. His June 6th ruling belittled the state's arguments as a laundry list of purported justifications for the statute and rules that were largely pretextual and, in any event, do not call for a different result. Hinkle granted the parents of three transgender children who challenged the law's constitutionality an emergency preliminary injunction request to allow their trans kids to continue getting health care. The judge wrote that their lawsuit is likely to succeed and that gender identity is real. He noted that proper treatment can include mental health therapy, puberty blockers, and hormone therapy. His decision said, Florida has adopted a statute and rules that prohibit these treatments even when medically appropriate. Essentially, all professional medical associations endorse gender transition care. Hinkle ridiculed the state's claim they have done so for political reasons. He wrote, If ever a pot called a kettle black, it is here. The statute and the rules were an exercise in politics, not good medicine.
3: To Judge Thomas L. Parker of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Tennessee, the country's first ban on drag shows as adult entertainment is an unconstitutional infringement of free speech. After a two-day trial, the Trump appointee handed down his ruling on June 2nd. Parker had previously issued an injunction preventing enforcement of the law, A queer theater company in Shelby County called Friends of George's had sued Tennessee over the ban, which specifically outlawed male and female impersonators from performing in public spaces accessible to minors. In finding for the plaintiff, Parker called the Adult Entertainment Act an unconstitutional restriction on the freedom of speech. He called the law both unconstitutionally vague and substantially overbroad. Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Skermetti said his office will probably file an appeal at the appropriate time. He claims that the ruling only applies to Shelby County and that the drag ban remains in force everywhere else in the state.
2: Finally, Representative Robert Garcia may be the first lawmaker in history to celebrate drag in a speech on the floor of the U.S. Congress. Garcia is the first out gay immigrant to serve in the House. The Democrat from Southern California's 42nd Congressional District is a well-known fan of the art of drag. He honored drag's unquestionable leading light on June 7th.
4: Mr. Speaker, I rise to commemorate the start of Pride Month by honoring the one and only queen of drag, RuPaul. An artist, a philanthropist, and a barrier breaker, the LGBTQ plus community continues to fight for equality and acceptance. The world needs more love, and yes, more RuPaul. This pride season, as we recommit to celebrating diversity, difference, and self-love, you must always remember what RuPaul so famously says. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Thank you, and I yield back.
3: That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending June 10, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
2: NewsWrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you.
3: Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Alan DiHamo. Stay healthy.
2: And I'm Melanie Keller. Stay safe.
5: Isn't life gay? Isn't life the perfect thing to pass the time away? This is Greg LeGates. I'm Margaret Cho. This
0: is Ed White. Hi,
5: I'm Kate Clinton.
0: Hello, I'm
4: Armistead Maupin. I'm Clive Barker.
2: This is Judy Shepard.
4: Hello, this is Ian McKellen. I'm Jerry Jewell. I'm Stephen Fry. I'm Harvey Milk. Hi, this is Janice Han. My name is Robbie Rogers. This is Essex
6: Hemphill.
1: I'm Ellen DeGeneres. I'm Tab Hunter. I'm Billy Bean.
6: This is John Cameron Mitchell. Hello, I'm Bruce Viland.
5: This is Bishop Jean Robinson. I'm Robbie
1: Kaplan. I'm Andrew Sullivan.
6: This is Augustine Burroughs. I'm Barney Frank. I'm Cleve Jones. My name is Kate Kendall. I'm Dan Savage. Hi, I'm Daryl Stevens.
3: And you've discovered This Way Out. This Way Out.
6: This Way Out.
3: The international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities.
5: How dare they?
3: And those who love them. You ain't going to get this
0: nowhere else.
5: And that's the
0: truth. Our
3: listeners support This Way Out in many ways.
5: By subscribing to our e-newsletter.
3: Email
7: us at info at
5: And through your financial contributions to our program. More information and a link to give are
4: online at thiswayout.org. Thank you.
1: They wanted gay and lesbian voices on the air, and Richard Gallantz answered the call. It was 1972, and Gallantz volunteered to produce a series of commentaries for Pacifica radio station KPFK Los Angeles on behalf of what was then called the Gay Community Services Center. He was just 20 years old. Queer audio treasure hunter Brian DeShazer talks about how he found Gollum's and his cache of forgotten recordings and shares clips from those vintage LGBTQ broadcasts. When I was researching the
6: history of LGBTQ programming on public radio, specifically Pacifica Radio Network, I found in vintage program guides from 1972 to 1974 programs with the titles Gay Commentaries, Gay at Heart, Dealing, all hosted by Richard Gollins. There were no associated tapes in the archives with these titles and therefore the first programs devoted to local gay men and women was thought to be lost forever. I did a random search for Richard on Facebook and found him still in the local area. When I reached out to him, he said some of the reel-to-reel tapes were in a storage facility in Palm Springs. I took on the task of preserving the small collection. The Richard Gollins tapes are now digitized and accessible at the University of California Santa Barbara Library's Special Collections. For the first time on radio in 50 years, here are the sounds from KPFK Los Angeles and gay commentaries from 1973.
0: Good afternoon. This is Richard Gollins with commentary from the Gay Community Services Center. The Gay Liberation Movement, like the women's movement and the black movement, works on two levels. The political, concerns such as jobs, equal protection under the law, housing, bread and butter issues, and the personal. The notion of changing people's attitudes toward themselves and what they can be. The formation of a gay consciousness. Behind all the radio shows I've been doing, no matter what the topic is, the concept of a gay consciousness has been there. My guests today are Rosalind Allen and Dick Nash from the Gay Community Services Center Self-Development Program, part of which is the Consciousness Raising Program. And we're going to be talking specifically about what is meant by the term Gay Consciousness. In essence, what does the Gay Liberation Movement mean to the way all of us live our lives? Good afternoon. Dick? Good afternoon, Richard. We might as well start with the whole nut, what do you mean by a Gay Consciousness?
3: Well, gay consciousness to me means uh, a heightened awareness of what it means to live in this society as a gay person. In many ways, it's oppressive, and a lot of people don't understand that oppression, including a lot of gay people. So first of all, to me, gay consciousness means being very clear about what the terms of the oppression are, and then, of course, what we plan to do about that, what our plans for liberation are.
0: Rosalind, how would you connect like the personal and the political you know how how do they relate as are they separate issues?
8: I don't think there's I think they go hand in hand in our liberation movement. I think that both have to be dealt with at the same time. I think when on the one hand you fight for laws and legislation and whatever else. I think it's very important that we also, at the same time, work with trying to increase a gay consciousness, you know, among our brothers and sisters. And this is because of those kinds of uh, oppressions that Richard was just mentioning, and more uh, the self-image of a gay person. Um, that's a very sad kind of oppression because, for for instance, a lesbian. A lesbian mother who feels that she can't be, quote, a good mother or because, or who feels that she shouldn't be a mother or that her children should be taken from her because society has said that if you're a lesbian that you obviously don't want children or you um, obviously don't want to be involved in, in raising children, uh, that's a a lie, it's untrue, and it's very oppressive. And so because of, after having been told something for so many years, uh, as gay people and as lesbians, you know, have been, you tend to believe that. What we say is that, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, of, of crap, because there are a lot of lesbian mothers who who do, who have to suffer from a male-dominated society, okay, number one, where men have to, protect their masculinity and they do this in trying to downgrade a lesbian. The lesbian who is not a mother but who feels that she wants to have children feeling that well the two just don't go because she's been taught that you know she's been taught that if you're either lesbian or you're a woman. I say if you are a lesbian you are a woman. You are in touch with your womanhood and that through consciousness raising Uh, Not only can a gay consciousness come forth for a lesbian, but also a feminist consciousness. I feel that lesbians are more in touch with uh, total womanhood than than non-lesbians, because there is uh, that dependency. That dependency is gone. It's very oppressive to tell someone those kinds of things for a lesbian to be put through that. I think a negative self-image comes from a lot of trips have been put on the heads of gay people, yeah. not being able to show affection.
0: Yeah, you really get it. Two points I was going to bring up. Just the whole idea of being identified by heterosexuals, by straights, and taking that identification, what you were saying about how a lesbian would think of herself in terms of being a mother, and something we were talking about, the three of us before, mm-hmm. about just gay relationships <coughs> as far as role models. Mm-hmm. You were saying sort of about models before. Good afternoon. This is Richard Gollins with commentary from the Gay Community Services Center. About two days ago, I got a telephone call from Morris Kite, who's, I would say, the father of Los Angeles Gay Liberation. And uh, whenever Morris calls and has something he wants to talk about on the show, that's automatically a show. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners some background as far
4: as... Here is the uh, situation, brothers and sisters. Last uh, Sunday, Throughout the United States, gay people celebrate what for us is a high holy month, the anniversary of the Stonewall, a reasonably nonviolent riot lasting a couple of days in New York in the last week in June 1969. It's an important event for us, and we celebrate it not by rioting, but in prideful ways. Throughout the country, I took enormous personal pride in the things I saw happening. It fell my lot to be invited to come to New York to be the keynote speaker of the Christopher Street Liberation Day rally in Washington Square. An amazing achievement. Several hours of entertainment. Barbara Gittings of Philadelphia was the other keynoter. Bette Midler came, received an ovation. It was a high and electric time. Afterward, uh, friends had a champagne and steak party, which is unusual for me because it's usually hamburgers and cokes. And afterwards, some poets and writers came and said, I think what you need is to get away and and let's just talk so we went at uh, two o'clock in the morning to Riverside Park in New York not a soul to be seen for miles around and we just walked and read poetry and sang and kissed one another and listened to the Hudson River as it uh, sloshed away and heard the boats in the distance and I couldn't have felt better when I returned to the place I was staying in New York in the apartment of Morty Manford in the village the phone was ringing, it was my associates at the center and from around the country saying, where have you been? You're needed. And what am I needed for now? And I was told of an enormous tragedy, which had happened in New Orleans that afternoon, when all the rest of the nation was finishing its gay pride. This awful thing happened. Here are the facts. There is a gay bar at the corner of Iverville and uh, Chattwa, except they say Charters down there street, in the very edge of the Vauquerie, the French Quarter in New Orleans. It's a three-story brick building, very old, very dry, very dusty. On the first floor are two non-gay bars. The second floor, the gay bar, the upstairs, and the third floor, they say, is used for sleeping. I don't know what that means. Happily, nobody was there at the time of the fire. Somewhere along the way, a fire erupted in the building. We think we know the cause of it. However, we promised the police in New Orleans that we would not discuss the cause until more information had been developed. Whatever happened? Flames rushed into the air conditioning unit, spread throughout the bar, and before the Holocaust was over, 29 of my brothers and a sister were burned to death. I met the sister was non-gay. She was there with her two sons. There were other non-gay people in the bar. 29 dead. An enormous number wounded sufficiently.
6: You are listening to excerpts from Gay Commentaries from the Gay Community Services Center, one of the pioneering queer radio series in public radio, recorded at KPFK in Los Angeles in 1972 and 1973. The Gay Community Services Center evolved into the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Today, the center's nearly 800 employees provide services for more LGBT people than any other organization in the world.
0: Good evening. This is the Gay Community Services Centre Program, and I'm Richard Gollins This evening I'll be talking with Dr. Ben Teller. Ben is organising a free VD clinic at the Gay Community Services Centre, and we'll be talking about that. Um,
7: Ben? Yeah, hi. Hello. <laughs> when is it projected opening? Well... The projected opening keeps changing. We've uh, had several projected openings, and the latest uh, one, I hope, is somewhere within a, the next month, assuming that we can uh, actually finish building of the clinic, the examining rooms and laboratory, and get enough money in to uh, enable us to set up everything. Right. What What are your qualifications? Now you'll be head I of the I'm clinic? I'm the medical director of the Clinic, my qualifications are I'm a a licensed physician in the state of California, and I'm, I mean, that's, I think, enough qualifications. I've also worked in a VD clinic, a public VD clinic in New York for a while before I came out here. And um, where have contributions been coming from? Contributions have been coming from private individuals, uh, you know, 10, 5, 10, $2, sometimes $20, $50, depending. Uh, So far, we've had. About $450 come in uh, as contributions specifically earmarked for the clinic, but we need a hell of a lot more than that.
0: Good afternoon. This is the Gay Community Services Center Program, and I'm Richard Gollins. Today's program is about women and the medical profession. My guest is Roberta Masso. Co-administrator of the Women's Clinic at the Gay Community Services Center and a worker at the Feminist Women's Health Center. Good afternoon. Hi. I guess to make it clearer to the audience, what exactly is the Women's Clinic? What kind of service does it perform? And who runs it? I guess.
5: Well, it's run by gay women to meet the needs that gay women have. we have known for a long time that um, gay women don't really have a place to go, that um, their medical needs, especially gynecological needs, are not met by the medical community. A woman will not go to a doctor for um, any kind of medical care because she knows that she won't, her, she won't be treated with respect. you know. And we feel that we've, we're creating an environment A comfortable environment where a gay woman can come in um, and the staff of the clinic is gay and there's a woman doctor and we all work together and talk together and try to find out what's you know what is wrong if something's wrong or meet just the routine needs that a woman has like pap smear you know which a woman should have once a year
0: Good afternoon. This is the Gay Community Services Center Program, and I'm Richard Dollins. Last November, I took a bus trip across the country, and uh, having spent the last year in Venice and Los Angeles in general, I've really forgotten just what problems most gay men have across the country just meeting other gay men. Uh, It was striking how often in smaller cities across the country, gay bars were constantly closing and opening, and if I wanted to stop at a gay bar in a strange city, and had been given addresses and phone numbers of gay bars from a bar or from people who had been in the city as recently as six months ago, very often the bars that were listed then, and might have been the most popular bars in the city, just weren't existent anymore. Uh, For instance, in Oklahoma City, Uh, I found out that three months prior to my visit, there had been a a situation where two straight men had walked into a gay bar, the most popular gay bar with guns, uh, started shooting just at random in the bar. No one was hurt, but uh, the bar caught fire, and uh, needless to say, the gay men of Oklahoma City were terrified to go out to bars after that. This is the Gay Community Services Center Program. Good night.
6: Richard went on to be a TV producer and writer for Beverly Hills 90210, Falcon Crest, and Knott's Landing, and was a pioneering clinical social worker and therapist. We dedicate this to Richard Gollins, who passed away November third, 2019. For This Way Out, I'm Brian DeShazer.
1: Our thanks to UC Santa Barbara Libraries and David Zoriberg. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newsrap was reported this week by Melanie Keller and Alan Tejano and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our correspondent was Brian DeShazer. Mason Williams, yes, and Billy Joel performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson, composer, performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks the Yovana Foundation and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thanks also to the Los Angeles Cannabis Providers MMD Shops for being our This Way Out Pride partner. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media. Email us at info at thiswayout.org or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078USA. For associate producer Lucia Trappell and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on KCSV, Santa Barbara, California, 2CCC, Gosford, New South Wales, WORT, Madison, Wisconsin, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe. I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. No
3: one will be above the law.
1: And stay tuned.